Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Book Living Alive podcast, a weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. This week, we take a little bit closer look at Bill and Abby interacting regarding the end of Step 1 into Step 2, just on the cusp of Step 3. Now, last week, we talked a little bit about Bill starting to go to the Oxford group, and they were a little bit ahead of uh, the curve, letting you know that Bill takes the steps and a number of different items. But this week, we are dead on in the middle of Chapter 1, Bill's story, page 9. Ebby telling him that there has to be something greater than himself if he wants to get better. Bill had grown up with religion, but he was not necessarily religious. And he was a little bit rigid in how he thought about religion. Uh, He was probably shaped by his past, by his profession, and especially by his drinking. Because no one or no thing or no anyone was going to tell him how it was going to be. I can relate to that as an alcoholic. No one told me what they were going to make me do, I controlled the world. And that's where we have to learn to give up and give away that control. Self-will run riot is only destructive to us. It's only when we give away and go with God's will or a spiritual will that we have a chance to get better. Let's hear Joe and Charlie talk a little bit about that this week. The bottom of page nine, a little item that I like, it said he'd come to, Eddie had come to pass his experience along to me if I cared to have it. I was shocked, but I was interested. Certainly I was interested. I had to be, for I was hopeless. See, Bill had took step one, and he was hopeless. He admitted that he was hopeless. And then Eddie begins to talk to him about spiritual matters. He see, he talked for hours. Charlie, these recollections welled up from the past. They made me swallow hard. See, Bill was somewhere between steps one and two. He began to question this idea about God. He began to look into these things and to wonder about himself. And he said these recollections made me well, from the past made me well up and made me swallow hard. He began to think of them real seriously, somewhere between steps one and two. Remember, Bill's coming from the Oxford group. I mean, Ebby's coming from the Oxford groups. The Oxford groups were a group of people practicing first century Christianity to the best of their ability. The terms that they used was highly religious in nature. Bill didn't want to hear this stuff. He said, I'd always believed in a power greater than myself. I'd often pondered these things. I was not an atheist. Few people really are. But that means blind faith in a strange proposition that this universe originated in a cipher, and namely see rushes nowhere. My intellectual heroes, the chemists, the astronomers, even the evolutionists, suggested vast laws and forces at work. Despite contrary indications, I had a little doubt that a mighty purpose and rhythm underlay all. How could there be so much of precise and immutable law and no intelligence? I simply had to believe in the spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation, but that was as far as I'd gone. With ministers and the world's religions, I parted right there. When they talked of a God person to me who was love, superhuman strength, and direction, I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. Bill didn't want to hear about this religious stuff. He said, To Christ I conceded the certainty of a great man, not least not too closely followed by those who claimed him, his moral teaching most excellent. For myself, I'd adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. 
I have no trouble identifying with Bill Wilson. <laughs> Felt exactly like that. Third paragraph on page 11. But my friend sat before me, and he made the point-blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His human will had failed. Doctors had pronounced him incurable. Society was about to lock him up. Like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. Then he had an effect been raised and the dead suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he'd ever known. Had this power originated in him? Obviously it had not. There'd been no more power in him than there was in me at that minute, and this was not at all. That floored me. It began to look as though religious people were right after all. Here was something at work in a human heart which had done the impossible. My ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. Never mind the musty past. Here sat a miracle directly across the kitchen table, and he shouted great tidings. This is where the identification process is so important. Bill knew about Ebby, and he knew if Ebby was staying sober, some power greater than Ebby was working in Ebby's life. Bill always said about Ebby, he said, if I ever get as bad as Ebby, I'll quit drinking. And here's Ebby stone cold sober, and old Bill still drinking. And he knew something had happened. He said, I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. He was on a different footing. His roots scrapped a new, new soil. But Bill Stidmus, he still doesn't like the idea. Despite the living example of my friend, there remained in me in the vestiges of my old prejudice. The word God still aroused a certain antipathy. When a thought was expressed that there might be a God person to me, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea. I could go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, universal mind, or spirit of nature, but I resisted the thought of a czar of the heavens, however loving his sway might be. I've since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. I can only see these guys sitting there in that kitchen that day. Ebby, stone cold sober, talking about God. Bill's about half drunk, saying, I don't want to hear about God. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about the spirit of nature or the great mind or the czar of the heavens, but don't talk to me about God. And I can see them arguing back and forth. But you know how we drunks are. We get into that religious discussion. We flat get with it. And I guess Ebby finally got tired of it. And finally he said to Bill, watch the next statement very carefully. This statement is in italics. We call this squiggly writing. And when you see squiggly writing in the book, it's usually pretty important. My friend suggested what then seemed a novel idea. He said, well, why don't you choose your own conception of God? In effect, what he said is this, Bill, what are we arguing about? What difference does it make what we call him? We can call him God, Yahweh, universal mind, spirit of nature, whatever you want to. He said, why don't we just quit arguing about it, and why don't you choose your own conception of God? Now, the instant he said that, his message changed from a religious message to a spiritual message. Religion says this is the way you have to believe. Spirituality says it really doesn't make any difference how you believe. The only question is, are you ready to believe? Now then, we're talking about spirituality. And based on that idea, Bill said, that statement hit me hard. It melted the icy intellectual mountain, a shadow I'd lived and shivered many years. I stood in the sunlight at last. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required to me to make my beginning. I saw that growth could start from that point. Upon a foundation of complete willingness, I might build what I saw in my friend. Would I have it? Of course I would. Surely 
This is when Bill took step two. No step two written in those days. But this is where Bill was allowed to come to believe in a power greater than himself through Eddie's simple little statement, why don't you choose your own conception of God? And Bill has now taken what we know today as step one and step two. He saw his powerlessness. Now that he's come to believe in a power greater than himself to restore him to sanity. One more little thing. I saw that growth could start from that point. Upon a foundation of complete, complete willingness, I might build what I saw in my friend. Would I have it? Of course I would. Now this is Bill's first reference to a wonderfully effective spiritual structure. He's going to start painting in our minds a picture using words. And good writers always do this. Later on he's going to tell us what this spiritual structure is. And later on he's going to tell us that we're going to pass through this structure to freedom. But the beginning of this structure is the foundation. And the foundation is willingness. Willingness really comes from step one. When we have admitted we are powerless, when we can see that what we're doing is no longer going to work, we become willing to do something about it. Step two is believing, and later on we'll see where believing is the cornerstone of that structure. But right now the foundation of it is willingness, which came from step one, and now then we're willing to believe in a power greater than we are, and step two will turn out to be later on the cornerstone of that structure. This is his first reference to it. We'll refer to it over and over as we go through the book. Now, this little information, why don't you choose your own conception of God, is a very, very, very important piece of information that allowed a person like me to come into Alcoholics Anonymous. Because when I was eight or nine years old, I don't know where this came from because I certainly wasn't taught it, but I said to myself, I don't need God, I don't need nothing, and I don't need anybody. And if I ever get big enough they can't catch me, I'm not going anymore. The church, that is. And I got big enough they couldn't catch me, and I didn't go anymore. And, and when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, I was faced with this proposition of turning my will and my life over to the care of God, and I resisted that. I didn't want to have anything to do with it, as Bill did. And my sponsor recognized my aversion to these, to these ideas. I had rejected them many, many years. And he said to me, well, Joe, why don't you choose your own conception? He said, and I said, I didn't know you could do that. I thought you had to choose, choose the conception that I was taught. I didn't know that I had a choice in the matter. And he said, why don't you go home tonight and write down what you would like God to be? Forgetting all of that stuff that you were taught, what would you like God to be if you could make God? So I went home and I wrote down some things that I wanted God to be, things that I needed, I felt. And I presented those to George, and he said, good, you can start with that. See, I didn't know you could do that. Tremendous idea, tremendous idea. I don't have to believe in someone else's idea about God. I can have my own conception, however limited it might be. But I had to begin somewhere, and I was willing, as Charlie said, and that was the foundation. Thus was I convinced that God is concerned with us humans as we want him enough. At long last, I saw, I felt, and I believed because of these ideas. Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. A new world came into view. The real significance of my experience in the cathedral burst upon me. For a brief moment I had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. And I can remember that Sunday morning before I called my friend George. I had gotten to the point of being hopeless. 
without hope. I couldn't get it up either. And the next morning, that morning, I said, God, please help me. I need to have some help. And I called my friend George because I knew that he was a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And he came over and he stayed with me for three days. And then we went to my very first AA meeting on November 3rd, 1973. And I haven't had a drink since that Sunday morning. But they presented me with this idea. You know, and when I when they started talking about God, again, three days sober, I said, I don't need this deal. You know, I was wrong. And then I had to remember that Sunday morning, that experience that I had that Sunday morning as Bill did. And I thought I better reconsider this idea because I had prayed for help and my help came. And I come to Alcoholics Anonymous. Three days not drinking, I begin to say, I've made a mistake. I don't need this thing. Something very significant happened there. Religion versus spirituality comes up an awful lot in the rooms. And I have been pretty regular in saying that, you know, I'm down here in the basement, which makes me spiritual. Because if I was up in the pews on Sunday morning, I'd be religious. Now, the nice thing about this whole program is that you can be spiritual. You can be religious. You can be spiritual and religious, or you can be none of the above. And you can work this program. But unless you find a spirituality, if you find a God of your understanding or a higher power of your understanding, you will have a much better chance of success at working this program than if you do not. Big Book, Chapter 1, Page 12, Third Paragraph. My friend suggested what then seemed a novel idea. He said, quote, Why don't you choose your own conception of God, close quotes. That statement hit me hard. It melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered many years. I stood in the sunlight at last. That's pretty powerful. That's what happens when one has a spiritual awakening. That awakening to spirituality, to your religion, that rebirth, that growth, happens when we give up self-will and we turn that over to the God or higher power of our understanding. Everybody works the program in their own way, in their own time. But if you follow the big book and you listen to what Bill and Ebby and all the original founders experienced and wrote down and expressed as our textbook, then you will have a much better chance of success than if you try to do it without the big book. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. If you'd like just the raw Joe and Charlie portion of the podcast, that is available on our Patreon site. The link to that is available on our website or in the pinned comment. Until next week, this is the Big Book Living Alive Joe and Charlie podcast.